This is the Zodiac speaking. Hey everybody, welcome to Netflix Book Club. My name is Dennis Rooney. <sighs> I'm Stephen McDonald. How you doing, Stephen? Uh, <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm having a good time. We're having a yeah. We've had a we're having a good time. This having is probably going to bring us down. Actually, I'm now. having a good Zodiac time. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. The movie we did this week was uh, was Zodiac. Zodiac. David Fincher's 2007 Zodiac. Are you saying to yourselves right now, guys, you're skipping plugs? Yeah, we're skipping plugs. You know where to find us. Find us on Actually, YouTube. No. What'd you say? No, no. no. Yeah. Now huh? we're on YouTube. Where? YouTube. The small independent video online company. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're we're trying to help them out. We're you know, to we're really little. doing them a favor by making sure that. Uh, our podcast. We're just trying to, you know, we're trying to lift them up a little bit. You oh, know? Wait, hold on. I just looked them up. We actually got taken down already. We've been, oh, uh, we've been taken no, down we already. Been taken down. We've Find been us taken on down YouTube, already. guys. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will be coming out with steady videos every week, at least till June. At minimum till June. <laughs> at least till June. We're going to be putting out our entire backlog of, uh, at this point, 90-some episodes. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to be putting out four days a week. We're coming up on 100. We're going to do something. I don't Should know. Should we do something special? Probably I not. I don't know about a live show. Which I, we've I would like to, but... Well, I get my live show kicks all the time. You're yeah. Jones in form. I never do live shows. I do live shows every week. Uh, which, by the way, find me at Dennis Rooney 7 on Instagram, and I post about my shows, and you can come see me when I do them. Coming yeah. to your town soon, probably. Also, you should hear from me before we go any further. Uh, I have part packets of particles in my oh colon. God. And I share everything, okay? I'm very much an open book, and I don't want our listeners hearing it from somewhere else. I don't want them receiving it from a third party. So I have a thing, and uh, I'm He's got packets of particles, people. That's what the doctor said to me. Packets of particles in my colon that don't belong there. And uh, just, just pray for me. Pray for me in my packets. I'm probably going to have to go get a colonoscopy 20 years too soon. But that's life, isn't it? At you least know, I didn't get shot in a fucking car. <laughs> look, you know, Dennis, the thing that I really just want to... By I a want, pedophile. I want you to know that's okay, is that, like, I know that you're, you're saying you need a colonoscopy. If you want to have something put up your ass, you can just tell us. You can just... It's okay. It's 2019. People keep it's saying almost that to me. 2020. People keep saying it to me, and I know the minute I'm like, all right, I wouldn't mind something up my ass. Everyone's going to go, ew, we fucking knew it. This guy put stuff up his <laughs> ass. And I can't take that kind of embarrassment any longer. Okay? Are we having audio problems? Am I coming in and out? Yeah, you were coming in and out a little bit. I messed with the coming in and out thing a little, a little bit. bit. So hopefully everybody can hear you better. Sorry if you uh, out there in podcast land, if it was crackly for a moment. Yeah. Sorry if you didn't hear about my butthole problems. But He's we're going to move butthole on. butthole problems. We're moving on. We're moving on. We don't want to take uh, the whole podcast talking so about that. So, speaking of butthole problems, Zodiac. Zodiac. David Fincher. Uh, David Fincher. It's got uh, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, Jake Gyllenhaal. Other people are in it. Other people are in it. Um, uh, Fiona's junkie boyfriend was in it, I recognized, as one of the officers. Excuse me? Fiona from Shameless. I'm in the middle of watching Shameless. I'm oh. slow on the uptick. Uh, so I'm making shameless references all the time. People are looking at me like, what's that now? Where's that? Huh? Here's a reference from a show that not that many people watched 10 years ago. People love it, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Anytime there's a very popular show on Showtime, I'm like, really? People watch that? <laughs> Anytime anything's popular on Showtime, I'm surprised. And then I'm like, I would love to be on Showtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's easy to make fun, Steven. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so Zodiac, David Fincher. David Fincher is one of my favorite directors, and I'll give a little preface: is that I saw this movie in theaters, okay. and I'm a young man, 2007, graduating yeah. high school or about to graduate high school, and uh, still fired up from Fight Club. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fight Club, one of the few movies, and it came out when I was like 14, 15. My parents saw me watching it, and they were like, "Turn this off right now," because <laughs> God knows, amazing. God knows what they were saying about it in the news at the time. But and of course, you say that to a kid. I was like, "I need to see this fucking movie so bad." There's only there's only two movies that I remember not being allowed to watch. What were those? Um, Deep one throat. of them, <laughs> one of them, and it was when they like came out on. It was on either on home video. I was young, so like, okay, there's plenty of movies I shouldn't have been watching. Right. But uh, and then those wind up being the movies that shape us, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They are. Uh, one of them was Terminator Two. Really? Yeah. That's just a fun romper. My, I think that it was just, uh, it was, it was real. It was like when it came onto HBO and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it was just one of those things. that was like, uh, I was really young. I mean, like it's massively was, violent. I movie. was definitely too young to be watching it. Yeah. I definitely did watch it when my parents weren't around. Right. And then the other movie. And I was probably like 13. I remember my dad was watching it and I kept interrupting him and he was like, had to pause it and then be like, no, your mother has said you're not allowed to watch this. Leave because I want to watch this movie. Right. Uh, With Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. And Silence of the Lambs took me many more years to see. Well, Terminator 2, you can enjoy as a child. You know what I mean? There's yeah. not enough slow moments. Like, even the slow moments, you're still looking at Arnold like, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? But, uh, yeah, Silence of the Lambs, I can't even see a kid maintaining interest. I mean, my, I think crazy. my parent, I think that my mom just didn't want me to see. Again, the stigma of, like, you, we don't want you watching this. It's like, well, now I want to watch it. No, I mean, that one I, like, kind of understood once I, once I got older and then I understood and saw what it was about. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get that. <laughs> I remember you don't want me to watch somebody <laughs> somebody skinning people to make a human <laughs> suit so they can be a lady. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's a little bit weird. Bow now. Bow now. Okay. That's a Cuz all the scenes that are, all the scenes that I feel like are really famous from that movie are the Anthony Hopkins ones. And those are disturbing. But well, the most famous one is not Hopkins. Well, lotion on the skin. Lotion on the skin, yes, but yeah. like the performance thing that you always hear about of like Hopkins and right. Uh, the next would probably be a Foster. nice Chianti. Yeah, uh, that wasn't Whoa. it at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he clicks at it like a horse. Like <laughs> it's like cut. That's not Anthony. What was that? Because he actually, I think he improvised that too. Anyway, he did. So imagine he had like seven awful ones before he landed on that. That was really good. And a nice Chianti. <laughs> And a nice Chianti. Uh, Cut. (laughs) Cut. Tony, what are you doing out there? (laughs) I'm trying something new. Uh, Yeah, I remember asking asking my mom, being like, you know, I really want to hear. Because when I was a kid, like I read The Shining in fifth grade because I remember seeing an episode of Friends where Joey says he keeps it in the freezer. I remember that episode. And I knew nothing about it. And And then he puts little women in the freezer because it was too scary. Was it? Is that what happens? Because Beth is going to die. And he's too scared that Beth is going to die. And so he puts little women in the freezer. (laughs) They were no longer little girls, they were little women. Uh,. So from that, like, again, the whole, it's too scary. So when I heard that Silence of the Lambs was, like, one of the scariest films ever made, and I don't remember where I heard that, but I told my mom I wanted to see it. And then she told me what it was about. <laughs> and I was like, still want to see it. Yeah. And she was she was cool. She let me watch it. But uh, 
today's movie deals with a whole nother kind of horror. Not really a whole nother kind. It's oh, a it's a whole color. nother kind of movie. Oh, it's a whole nother kind of horror. You know why? It's a movie that makes you think you're going to see a ton of people get killed all the time, and then it's actually this leads us to our uh, our favorite segment. Yeah, favorite John. segment. Uh, Dennis, what's the worst way to describe this movie? What's the worst way to describe this movie? Oh yeah. Unnecessary pause for effect because I still don't understand how this works. <laughs> and here we go. Uh, worst way I might describe this movie? I got a couple. I got a few, maybe. First of all, this is the worst horoscope documentary I've ever seen. This, I don't <laughs> understand. I'm an Aries, and maybe that makes me skeptic, but I didn't see how it plays into what I read in my daily paper. Number two. Uh, this is the strangest... This is like the slowest collection of shared diner scenes ever. This is just cops talking at diners over and over and over and over. Yeah. Which is an awful way to describe this movie. But how many yeah. BLTs can you split? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I actually said that when I saw this movie in 2007. I remember w- making a few of my friends go to see it. We sat through it. And then afterwards, I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> this, wasn't like, <laughs> this wasn't like Fight Club at all. Yeah. And I even remember saying, I was like, this is just cops sharing BLTs at diners. Um, yeah. Which is um, too harsh, and I'll get back to my being too harsh to it after I hear what you think is the worst way to describe this movie. Uh, the worst way to describe this movie is that this is the strangest Marvel prequel <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> it's got it's Mysterio. got Mysterio. It's got the, the Hulk. Hulk. It's got Iron Man. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it really is like... Oh, wow. Like, did you know that the Marvel Universe junkie boyfriend is in it too? <laughs> He's in the Marvel. I don't know. He's, He's in, in the, the Marvel, Marvel Universe. Universe. I bet you there's another Marvel. I wouldn't be surprised if I really rack my brain. I'm sure there is. I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least one or two like extra people that that end up in the Marvel Universe. And Jake Gyllenhaal's Hall's wife, I feel like, might have been in one of those Marvel. I can't remember. As an aloof girl. But I did have a moment where I was watching it and I was like, "Holy shit! They're all they all ended up in Marvel movies." Because uh, really, what I was thinking about was was uh, was Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in this. Because I just love him. I just love him in everything. Was he fucked up? Not fucked up, but was he still? No, like he was sober drugs? by this point. He was sober. By he this was sober. Because okay, I read something crazy where he was. Uh, this is this is after Iron Man. Holy shit! You're right. Yeah. Oh, that's strange. Man, the Marvel universe has been around for so long. Now. It's been around for a long time. I'm granted Iron Man was the first one, but wow. Yeah. This was probably like the last movie he was allowed to make that wasn't part of the Marvel universe or no, something. No, he did right? a couple. He did uh he did Charlie Bartlett, uh, which is oh, yeah. a wonderful uh a wonderful movie with Anton Yelchin. It was good. Rest in peace. I love that movie. The little I therapist love, guy. I love Anton Yelchin. I don't know who that is. He's uh he is the, the Sounds kid that's in, he's a, he's the kid who's in Charlie Bartlett. He also was in the white Star kid? Trek. He played Chekhov, yeah. He played Chekhov in uh, in the new Star Trek movies, and then he died. Oh, yeah. He died tragically in a car accident. He did. Yeah. He passed away. That's a fucking bummer. It was it was really sad because he, he also he's he's a really he was a really good actor kinda and he quirky. had a really kind of quirky and had a great career ahead of him. He's been in a bu- he was in a bunch of different stuff. Loved him in everything I had seen him in, and uh, it was so sad to have him pass away. Now we've only got He's not in Zodiac, so I'm glad we spent <laughs> a couple minutes on this, but still. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um You have any experience with this movie? Because I sent you a yeah, few. I, I sent you so a few and this was the longest one, and I think you picked this one just to 
because I always assume you're going to pick the shortest movie. No. And you're like, I got to throw him a twist. No, no, no. I, I had actually, I had been wanting, I had been, I saw that Zodiac was on Netflix. I had been wanting to watch Zodiac for a little while because I hadn't seen it since it was in theaters. I saw. You did see it in theaters. I saw this at an advanced screening in Chicago. Humble brag. Uh, a couple days. It, was, it wasn't very advanced. It was a couple days before it came out. That's advanced. Um. Very advanced. And uh, I, too, I was in film school. I loved Fight Club. I was like, this is from the guy that made Fight Club. This looks cool as shit. And then I saw it, and I hated it. You hated <coughs> it at the time, when right? it, At the time, I hated it. I didn't hate it at the time, but I was like, this was not a good movie. Like, I would not have Yeah, that was my thing, was that I was like, it's. I, I knew it wasn't bad, Yeah. but right. I also didn't like it. Yeah. And you know what Are happened we older was, and wiser now? Well, no, for for the last 15 years or whatever it's been, the the thought of shots from this movie, predominantly of the way they shot cars in this movie. Like Grand Theft Auto, the original? Not just that, but like they, they, they like even like the first shot in the movie, I believe, where it's just shooting out a window yeah. and it's it's statically attached to the car as it goes and it doesn't do any, it doesn't move at all. Um, it that I love shooting style and directing has stuck with me for so long, and I've it's one of the reasons I've been wanting to rewatch this movie recently was because I think about the shots of these cars and stuff like that, and the way that they did camera work in this movie all the time. All right, let's let's do brass tacks so we can hit the break because I actually want to talk about the camera work, and I never yeah. want to talk about the <laughs> <laughs> you know the camera work. Um, I'll go first. Stream this movie. Um. If you like, here's a here's a thing which I can't believe I didn't realize later on because I loved Mindhunter season one. I have not gotten around to watching season two, but this will probably spur me into watching it very soon. Uh, this is a great film. It's a little slow. It's a little long, but you know what? It keeps you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, it's equally as good, I think, if you go in knowing. Because when I first watched it, I didn't know that they hadn't caught the Zodiac Killer. And I've mm, gone into okay. a few movies recently like that where it's like based off true things, but I don't know going in. Uh, Berg vs. McEnroe, or McEnroe vs. Borg, I forget what it was called. Yeah. I didn't know the end of it. And it's great going into a movie like that when you don't know what actually is going to uh, take place. However, either way, if you know it or don't, this is a good movie. If you like anything Fincher does, give this another watch, maybe, if you have before and didn't like it, because uh, it grew on me. I'm older, I'm wiser, I'm more patient with films, and this is fucking a great watch. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Stream It. It's... um. It's really good. Fincher's just really good. Such a good director. Uh, he's such a good director. When I first saw it, <coughs> like I said, I didn't like it. I thought it was too slow. Um, but rewatching it, just like he's just such a good director. And uh, yeah, it's it's really it's a very good movie. Simultaneously, it's a little long. It's two and a half hours, so it's like yeah. it's a it's a slog. Um, but moves briskly though. It moves it moves pretty briskly. Yeah. Uh so yeah. Let's right. hit the break. Let's hit the break, we'll split BLT and we'll talk about it. Dear editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the fourth of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. 
and gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. And we are back. Camera work, ladies and gentlemen. Something that Dennis Rooney couldn't give a shit about when he was eight, 17 years old. Yeah. He might make like he did, but uh, camera work isn't going to get him through a whole movie. Not that this movie wrote on camera work, but the camera work is amazing. And as a filmmaker, Stephen, I have a question for you. And I hope I'm not misattributing this quote. I'm almost okay. positive that David Fincher said this. Um and the statement I'm going to say is actually in reaction to someone else said, or it might be, have you heard this before in film? There's a thousand ways to shoot a scene. Um, I mean, that's something that just gets said. I don't know whether it's like a, that's like a industry phrase where you just hear, you know, or an artistic, where there's a thousand ways to shoot a scene. Uh, I've heard David Fincher say distinctly that that's not true. There's one way to shoot a scene, maybe at most two or three. <laughs> and every time <laughs> I watch one of his films now, it's like, that sounds so arrogant to say, but every time I watch one of his films, every shot I'm thinking about that, where Fincher was like, this is absolutely the man. It, like, it's not even like this is my artistic way to do it. This yeah. is the fucking way to do this scene. I mean, I think that, like... you agree with that? What do you think? I think that I... Um, I had a professor when I was in college who said, there's two things that everybody will always want to fuck with, and it's your script and your edit. Interesting. Everybody will always have an opinion on your script and your edit. Um, I think that's true of the whole film. <laughs> there's there's a lot of different opinions as there there are a thousand ways to shoot something. Um, that doesn't mean that there are a thousand correct ways to shoot something. Right. Nor does it mean that there are a thousand good ways to shoot something. Um, there aren't even a thousand fine ways to shoot something. Um. There are only a couple great ways to shoot something. Right. Now... And some things are just standard. Where, like, two people having a conversation, what's that shot called? From over the shoulder to the person, and then it goes back and forth. Over the shoulder? That's it? Just <laughs> over the shoulder? Okay, I didn't know. No, I thought there might have been some fancy filmmaking no, word no. for, like, a two... Sh I don't know, a two-shot or something. Um, but, yeah, that's... When two people are having a conversation, that's the way to shoot it. They're having a back and forth. It's only it's not doing it point of view necessarily, but it's pretty close. It's third person over the well, shoulder. Well, there's you know? there's different ways to shoot that because there are different ways to shoot that because uh, the Cohen brothers do it a lot differently. The Cohen brothers tend to uh, tend to set the camera exactly where the other actor would be and have people talk back and forth. So there's a lot of shot reverse shot is what it's is the other term that it is that it's okay. called for where it's shot of you, reverse shot of me, back to you while uh -huh. you're talking. And sometimes what the Coen brothers will do is that they'll set the camera down right where, like, if you were talking to me, you'd be looking directly into camera. Right. Um, so it is kind of point of view sometimes. And so Coen sometimes brothers. it is kind of point of view, and then there's over the shoulder, shot, reverse shot. And um, I'd and love to so see, like, Fincher talk, sit down and have a conversation with the Coen brothers. Those are, like, some of my favorite directors. Yeah, right that would be and fun. And they're pretty different. <laughs> They're very different, but I think that the thing that uh, Fincher's talking about, which uh, I think makes him really good, and I think it also it makes him really good, it makes other filmmakers really bad, <laughs> uh, is that there's only one way to shoot it when you know what you want shot. Right. When you know how you want it shot, there's only one way to shoot it. Why would you shoot it any other way? Yeah. When you have a very distinct voice in filmmaking, 
when you have a very distinct style you want to and it has coalesced into this is what this movie is going to look like. Yeah. I know what it's going to look like because it's in my head and I'm about to make it because I'm the filmmaker. He's definitely a I am filmmaker, the director. like you said, who has his own voice and knows his voice. Because you watch a Fincher film, it feels like a Fincher film. Yeah. And there's not a lot of directors like that. Coen Brothers would be one of them. I'd throw them Coen in. Coen Brothers. But Coen Brothers, I feel like... Scorsese. Almost, yeah, Scorsese. I would almost say the Coen Brothers, you know it's them more by the script than by the shots. But that also might be not being as big of a student on them as I think I am. Um, you know it by the... You, you definitely know it by the script with the Coen Brothers. But if you look at a lot of Coen Brothers stuff... You start to see that it's by the start shots. Start to notice that stuff. Yeah. Um. They have a they have a DP that they work with who is phenomenal and has done great work. Um. What I will say with what I will say with Fincher is he does a lot of really subtle camera work. He also does a lot of stuff that's really but like you can tell. And the reason why I said earlier that it's sometimes it's to the detriment of certain filmmakers is that if you think you know exactly what this is about. If you have your distinct artistic vision as to what it is, and then your artistic vision sucks. <laughs> and you're the guy who said there's only one way to shoot a scene. There is only one way to shoot it. It's yeah. the way that it was in your head. You got exactly what you wanted, and it was terrible. Yeah. And um, and that happens. That happens constantly. There are directors who are who they shoot stuff, and it's terrible. Is this Fincher's worst film? I don't, I mean, like, I don't know everything that Fincher has done. I don't think I do either. I know a lot. Um, I know a lot of it, but... Gone Girl, Fight Club, Panic Room, this. There's definitely a few I'm missing, but... I am of the opinion that on that list that you just said, um, he did Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He also Oh, did, yeah. I um, loved Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Girl with tattoo. the Dragon Tattoo was great. Fucking great. I was so <laughs> upset that we weren't going to get the sequel. I know. The American sequel. Still not uh, still not good enough to drive me to the European movies, <laughs> which I'm sure are great. Yeah, which I've heard are fantastic. But I'm a, you know I'm that idiot. Um, Maybe I would say out of that list that you said, I think Panic Room is the weakest. Oh, I love Panic Room. I don't really. What's your problems with Panic Room? I just don't like the story. Okay. I just don't like the story. That's really all, right. all it is. Capitalist pig. <laughs> I don't I mean, know why I, I just <laughs> I, I remember watching it there's brilliant stuff they did in that and there's absolutely brilliant stuff they did with camera work in that there's an amazing shot in that see that's one of the things I know the I shot love. you're talking about <coughs> well I think I that's do. one of the things I love about Fincher is is that he just ha- he has a vision like I was saying he has a vision for exactly what it's going to look like and then coalesces human, him and his producers and it's probably on his producers a little bit more than it's him is they coalesce a team of people that pull it off. Right. And with something like Panic Room, I remember when Panic Room came out, and one of the things they talked about, there's that there's an amazing shot that's like up a bunch of staircases and through a room or whatever, and it looks like it's all digital, and it's and but it's all practical. Yeah. The reason, or how they did it, was that they had a camera on wires, on like a big wire rig, that went up multiple flights of stairs and it went down through a room and it did this entire thing. And as they were doing it, when they were planning it, it was too bumpy. That He wanted it to be 100% smooth. Smooth, yeah. And they couldn't get it to be 100% smooth. And so his answer to that was, and his DP's answer to that was, we shoot it on a widescreen anamorphic lens. So it's this gigantic widescreen thing. And then just chop it down? And then when they were in post, they just... They they 
they had a less they they had room to move the frame around. Right. And then they just moved the frame around frame by frame to track exactly what was happening so that it was completely smooth. I'm going to post that video. I think the video even talks about that shot. It's there's the video I saw where David Fincher said that it's words, you know. So it's such a brilliant move to, to It's good just, problem solving. Yeah, that's the thing. Is yeah. that and I think that that's one of the things that people don't realize a lot about directors and movie sets and all these things is that it's like you never have enough time, you never have enough wherewithal to get anything done. Like the kind of days of like there are only a couple people who get everything they want yeah. exactly the way they want it. Um I feel like especially in smaller movies, you don't get that. Yeah. Like the only people that are making anything that is like just people sitting around talking to each other that get what get whatever they want is like Clint Eastwood, Martin Scorsese, maybe David Fincher. Yeah. Like the Coen brothers. That's the other there you go, the Coen yeah. brothers. And and everybody else is scrambling to get anything done whenever they can. I think I heard that as well. That Fincher's very like rigid with his work schedule where like we're not the crew that's here for 14 hours to get this shot like we oh, are yeah. pre- we're prepared and we're going to get the shot we're going to shoot it a bunch of times because i know he embraces a uh, digital like that and he wants a lot of takes yeah but it's still like we're here we're going to get the shot we're going to go that's it well but you're never going to end up with like kubrick again right. where it's like we're doing People 95 takes of this breaking down we're doing 95 takes of this one line is that it's like no. Inter- just a quick side note. I saw Doctor Sleep recently. Uh huh. Didn't feel like Kubrick's other films. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. Was you, <laughs> you piece of shit. I said I stood up and said that mad loud after the movie. I got a couple looks. <sighs> a couple looks from people. It's fun to play stupid. Let me um, ask you something. You ever become obsessive with something like this, where something that like wasn't in your life? Like, you know, we have things that we obsess over that we have been ingrained from us from childhood, things that we're really into, hobbies, whatever, certain genres. No, I understand. Cocaine. <laughs> was that it? Became a no, super obsessor no. of, of cocaine? Yeah, ingrained since I was a little child. Cocaine. 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 What were you going to say? Have you ever become like uh, Gyllenhaal's character? Gyllenhaal is a... Oh, you mean dude, he's got a life. like the character? Yeah. I mean, um, it worked out for him because he wound up writing the book and everything. Yeah. But it still kind of ruined his life. No, I've never been... Um, You've never become obsessed with the serial killer who leaves codes on newspapers? No, I've never... You know, the, the thing that I have become the most obsessed with at all is um, is just movies. Yeah. Like... You should do a podcast about them. Yeah. Uh, I should get somebody funny to be on. Ah! Uh, cut! <laughs> <laughs> uh... No, I I I became obsessed with movies. I didn't even become obsessed with movie making, but I became obsessed with movies at a young age. Just watching them all the time. I just watched movies. Yeah. I watched I watched movies constantly. Excuse me, I'm burping. Gross. Uh I watched movies constantly growing up. I didn't watch a lot of television television. Yeah. Um, I was always, still am. I'm not big on like, uh, there's a shows now where I'll sit down and I'll watch them. Obviously, I said I'm watching Sham, like, but I'd rather sit down and watch a movie. I want to see an arc from beginning to end. I don't want to see. I, this is the thing. I love, um, I love television now. 
But most television now, for me, is a uh, pure escape. Yeah. It is It is white noise. I spoke to you the other day on the phone, and you were watching Bones, and I uh, threw I, up a little bit in my mouth. I have been rewatching <laughs> Bones. Rewatching? I, yeah. No, I watched... Well, I watched, like, when it was coming out, I was watching it. I had a, <laughs> I had a girlfriend who really liked it. Oh, okay. And so I got into it. It was okay for three or four seasons and then we watched and then uh the fourth season of that show is really good um it felt like they thought they might be done there and then season five through nine are terrible and then i just got to season nine recently and there's and probably like 30 episodes a season for this there's like 30 show, episodes a season it's ridiculous great to work um, on a show like that though predominantly i have been falling asleep through them Okay. I fall asleep Fair. through five, six episodes at a time. Yeah. And then I wake back up, and then I just keep going. Are there any serial killers in that show? There's a bunch. <laughs> have you? Are you one of those serial killer people? I have a lot of friends like that who are no. very into them, no. which I kind of don't get. No. Yeah. I. Um, those are the people you got to watch out for. I find a bunch of different... I find them... Uh, I find... Not serial killers, but psychopaths to be incredibly interesting. Um, I've read a couple books on psychopaths. I think it's, uh, I think it's a very interesting thing just that exists in our society. Did you watch like Mind Hunter? I watched some of Mind Hunter. I couldn't fully get into it. Oh, I'm surprised it didn't hold you. Um, but psychopaths in general, I think, are very interesting. I think that when it comes to Zodiac in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is, like, there's an interesting thing to that. I think one of the things this movie did really well was set you in the time period. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, little scarves put me right in it. His ascots? And then he has ascots. I'll tell you what, his ascots, nice. Yeah. That didn't work. Um, He's got nice ascots. Ascots. That ascots game, man. Oh, God. Uh, meanwhile, Jake Gyllenhaal could fit in perfectly in, like, 2019. But he, he looked could pretty also normal fit the whole in time. Perfectly in 1970, like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake yes. Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal is the most Boy Scouty Boy Scout and has been the most Boy Scouty Boy Scout forever. He did a good job. Uh, that he off, did yeah. a really good job in this movie. Um, yeah, everyone I don't else. Know, I, I, I thought one of the things they did that was really interesting, and it made me. It always reminds me of, uh, like pre-internet, pre-cell phone, pre-whatever. Is that it's like, oh, right. If you weren't at your house or at your office, no one could get a hold yeah. of you. If you weren't like, like, newspapers were the news. You know what blew my mind? Like, there's one scene where uh, one of the cops, Mark Ruffalo, I believe, he pulls over and he opens the police phone box and he makes a phone call on it and then he closes it and locks it and leaves. And I was like, I totally forgot about the existence of those things. Yeah. And like I'd never seen one used, I don't think, in film or right? Where like it was just, it's one of those things you see all the time and it's just yeah. a relic that's left on the sidewalk that's still there that the city hasn't taken down. And then you see someone use it back in the day practically and you're like, of course, that makes great sense. Whoever came up with that idea... Great idea. Yeah, great idea. But now it's like, who the fuck needs them? It's the same. At the end of my block, there's a there's a little thing that I don't think works. Fire department thing. It's a fire department thing. Yeah. That's like a button for hey, yeah. there's been a fire. When are they gonna take it? Away? You know, I when everything goes. This is a, a tweet I've had years ago, but it is a genuine question. When everything goes wireless, which will everything goes, what are we gonna do with all the uh, all the light poles, and all the uh, the wooden what are they called? 
Utility poles? Um, the wooden utility? What I don't are we know. Gonna, take are we them do down. Those? Are we? I'm I not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can't take the fucking police boxes down. Um, my my assumption as to what they will do with all of those is mostly sell them for scrap if they can. Probably. Um, it's gonna be I don't know, man. Project. It's it it is scary to think about, like. Like, I do miss not being able to get... I, I had a brief moment in my life where no one could get a hold of me. Yeah, I only had like a couple of years. I had what? a couple of years where no one could get a hold of me if I left my house. Exactly. But a few years where like you're independently leaving your house doing your own thing. But, yeah. But then very quickly after that, cell phones became a thing and you had one and you'd get calls. I remember I had I had a track phone where it was like pay per minute thing. Yeah. And you'd load it up with a card. And I found out, I realized if you kept your call to less than 10 seconds, it wouldn't take off a minute. <laughs> so I'd almost use it as like a beeper and be like, where are we meeting? Hendrickson Park? Okay, bye. Hang up. Be like, I'm on my way. I, I got a cell phone late, like for most of my friends had cell phones mm-hmm. before I had a cell phone. And uh, and I was fine with that. Um, I liked not being able to get in touch. Now it's like sometimes I'll put my phone on speakerphone for a few, not speakerphone, on airplane mode for a few hours. And then when you turn it back on, people are like insane. People are like, I've called yeah. you twice. You're not answering my text. I'm like, yeah, I'm unavailable. I want to be unavailable a little bit. Can I be unavailable without having to be like, I'm going to go take a weekend, leave my phone, get a cabin, or like go to the woods? Like, I just want to be in my house unreachable. I still have, I definitely have cell phone panic. What's that? I think I have it. <laughs> just, I can't stop using it. Oh. I'm just always... If you're not doing something, you're on your phone. If I'm not doing something, I'm on my phone. Even if I am doing something, I'm on my phone. I can't do, like, like. I need it all the time, and it's pathetic. How good is it when you haven't looked at your phone in, like, an hour and a half, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh, all this <laughs> new stuff for me to look at. And then it's the worst where you look and you're like, no one's done anything. I have no texts. I have no missed calls, no emails, Instagram. Yeah. No one's posted anything interesting. Life sucks, yeah. Steven. <laughs> I wish the Zodiac would fucking kill me. <laughs> Who do you think did it? Do you think uh, any of the characters portrayed in the film? I think the guy that they thought did it did it. Lee? Yeah, I think Lee did it. The latent homosexual? He wasn't. Well, he was a pedophile. <laughs> he was a pedophile. He was a pedophile. Uh no, I think that I think that Lee did it. I think that it makes perfect sense. Literally wearing it on his sleeve or on his wrist anyway. Yeah. The Zodiac watch. I mean, I think it was I think it was him. I do think that there there very well could have been there there very well could have been things that the Zodiac either took credit for that yeah. he didn't do or that other people blamed on the Zodiac. Right. That it was actually different murders. But I think that the initial like Zodiac murders I think was done by him. Were him. Yeah. The only thing, well... But I haven't, like, de- I haven't <laughs> jumped in and read all the evidence. Well, like, yeah, well, the big thing in the movie, that the big contrast to why it couldn't be Lee or wouldn't be, allegedly, is that the fingerprints don't match and the uh, handwriting ultimately was, like, too... Wasn't there one thing with the handwriting? The Ks or yeah. something? And it's, like, I don't know. That's kind of the biggest thing is the fingerprint. Yeah, but but everything else, there's I, so much circumstantial I agree, evidence. But the thing is, is that it was it was a partial, and um, 
I just, this is the thing, is that so many things back then, I just don't trust right. whatever their mm-hmm. thing was. Like, the, like, fingerprint, like, matching fingerprints used to be done by eye. <laughs> <laughs> they had a fingerprint. Yeah. And then they had a fingerprint. <laughs> And they like they had the ink one that they got at the at the you know at the police station, and then they got whatever they got off of whatever wherever it was. Prints, they yeah. dusted, and then they sat with a microscope and they went, "Yep, looks the same. Looks really close." There are things now that there are cases now where people are in prison because of like they have been exonerated from being yeah. in prison. Now, 2019, mm-hmm. where they got exonerated because in the trial there was uh, a hair fiber, and they were like. It's a match for his hair. And then they relook at the evidence and the hair is from a dog. Oh, they were both brown hair. And it's like, <laughs> well, they were both brown hair, but this one's actually from a dog. Yeah. And it's like the kind of world we live in now of like, you know, like bones, like I was talking about before. Or like Why do you have to work bones into every conversation? I know. <laughs> uh, whether or like CSI or any of these things is that it's like, you do, they're just... You can't, you know, they, they they actually can't do the thing where it's like we found one of his eyelashes so we knew what he had for breakfast. Right. Like that doesn't exist. And people get stuff wrong constantly. And, you know, this entire idea that's like, oh, the most amazing professionals in this field of like in this field of science, the most amazing professionals work at the crime at the city crime lab in <laughs> Miami. Like, no, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah. Like, like that amazing professional that's an amazing chemist or an amazing whatever works for like a pharmaceutical company coming up with the next thing to relieve heartburn. <laughs> like, they just don't work they for don't do that the shit. city. Yeah. They I don't love the, do uh, it. One scene, they're like, "Wait, what happened to the all the evidence at the?" Pit? He goes. Well, the cop that showed up just rolled everything up into the blanket. <laughs> it's like... Exactly. Granted, it's the 60s, but it's like, it's not the fucking 1860s. Well, no, but but still, they it's had a like... Crime, like, people could show one up. Of those, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, they've got lab techs and stuff like that, but it's just kind of that moment that's like, that's like, there's plenty of things that they've thought to be, oh, well, this is the only way that somebody could ever write letters. Is that I have this moment where I'm like, yeah, casually, yeah, but like, I, but like, I'm very skeptical of a, a handwriting sample as well, where <sighs> it's like, if you sit me down to make, give you a handwriting sample, which I know that you're supposed to get a genuine one, that's whatever you find, yeah, but I'm sure mo- a lot of the time it's like you need to sit down and write the uh, lazy fox jumps over the angry dog or whatever the fuck, yeah, I think I could fuck it up enough <laughs> where it'd be like, well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's him, but he still made his case different than he used to, so... Well, no, and it's like, I, I understand that it's like, there's definitely something to handwriting samples and, you know... Sure. People write stuff different ways and all these different things. But there's also just the reality that's like, that's like the idea that, especially if somebody was an artist of some kind, in any capacity, that they couldn't, like, write... <laughs> that they couldn't... Like... It's just kind like of like for the poster. Where I'm like, it's, it's like these big letters. It's like, well, especially when you're making big letters like that, that's not really handwriting. Yeah, is that's it? Like it's, it's like you're drawing letters. If then. I'm making a poster, if I'm making a thing that says "Happy Birthday," it doesn't. It's not the same as my handwriting. Yeah, like plus sometimes I write in all caps. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I get mixed it up. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's a sign of 
something weird. Like, and most people don't do that. But oh, I know for a fact that I it do means that. you're the zodiac. I am. The I'm zodiac. pretty sure you're the zodiac. Watching this film definitely made me. It gave me the uh, not compulsion. Relax, everybody. But it, sometimes I watch things from old movies, and I'm like, oh man, you could just get away with anything back. In the day. <laughs> and how how powerful this is going to sound awful. <laughs> How pat like imagine driving around Northern California or Southern California back in the late sixties, early seventies, uh-huh. with a handgun in your pocket, and like you see, it'd be so easy, and you'd feel so, and you'd leave. I also just watched. All right, so full disclosure, I watched this movie yesterday. This is a two and a half hour long movie, and then an hour and a half after I finished this, I watched The Irishman. Tune in next week. Uh, I watched The Irishman, which is a three and a half hour movie. And both movies involve people getting killed a lot back in the day. And yeah. if you watch those two movies, you're just going to be like, I could have done it too. <laughs> I could absolutely. You're walking down the block, you shoot someone, you keep walking. It's like, well, that's just some guy. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, this movie made me want to go out and kill. No, it didn't. <laughs> but it made me think that, you know, just be so easy back in the day. So easy to get away with shit. Especially, and I think Netflix just came out with a series about this um, phenomenon, spe- phenomenon specifically. Watching different police departments interact together. The Zodiac spread out his kills, yeah. and that totally helped him because it's the partitioning of information. That's why Gyllenhaal makes such a great go at it is that he's literally working Everything. night and day to like get all the information from all the different departments, whereas when they were working together, there's a lot of power plays going on. There's a lot of like tough guys. Well, there's shit. also the shit where it's just like, where it's just like, once again... You can have you can have the smartest person in the world be the one who's in charge of the case. Yeah. But if somebody down the line is like, no, oh, I just didn't think that was a big deal. Right. Like. Or like, even like or, they said at one point. Or like, like when the cab driver got shot and they're like, oh, well, they said that it was a black guy. So when we saw a white guy hobbling away. Yeah. With a gun in his hand. Bloody. <laughs> yeah. Like gun in his hand. Bloody. We, we didn't stop him. And talk to him because he was a white guy, and I, that's not what I was looking for. And also back then, very like, so I feel like so much more privacy in a way than nowadays, where it's like, well, we wouldn't disrupt someone a white man's day to like ask him yeah. questions. You know, what I mean, that man's on his way to work. You know, what I mean, it's like a if you're watching Watchmen right now, there's a one point where he's like, "That wasn't me." Yeah, and it's just like, well, he's a well, white guy also, respected I mean, like, in the community. The, it's kind of this. It is a funny thing about just like society in general is that and it's a good thing, I think, most of the time is that we we tend to think like the best of each other when we're walking around Um, and maybe not the best, but you think at least just like not a murderer, just a person. Yeah. And I was doing I did a documentary one time where I was talking to a guy who uh, delivers weed. In New York. Okay. And he does it by bike. And I asked him the question, are you ever afraid that, like, you're going to get caught? You know, that you're going to be on your bike and you're just going to get stopped by a cop and they're going to search you and you're going to have, you know, a pound of weed on you. Yeah. And he was like, no. He's <laughs> like, I'm not. He's like, I'm just on a bike. Yeah, you're just some guy on a bike. I'm just a guy on a bike. He's like, you know what my biggest fear is? Getting hit by a car. Getting hit by a car. Yeah. He's like, my biggest fear is getting hit by a car. Past that, this is a safe job. Yeah. It's also, I bet it's also part of the thing where uh, I heard somewhere where it was like an interview with uh, construction workers back in the day building sky rises. No OSHA. 
yeah. walking on steel beams, you know, eight inches wide, 30 stories up. And someone would ask them, like, man, how do you walk 30 stories up on a steel? How do you not fall? And the answer is, oh, you can't fall. It's like, what do you mean? Oh, you, well, you can't fall. If you fall, you're dead. So you, we just don't fall. And it's like yeah. that thing where it's like, I can't think about it. Because if I think about it, it's going to up the chances of it yep. happening. So it's just like, yep. be cool. That's, be cool, honey buns. <laughs> that's like when I went, and I, I have described this to a couple different people who are terrified of it. I, I scuba dive. And for my honeymoon, I went to Belize and we went scuba diving and uh, there was a moment that I realized and then I had to quickly get it out of my head was that uh, we were we were at the bottom of a reef (laughs) and we're hanging out with sharks. And I look at my gauges and it dawns on me that I'm uh, I'm 90 feet down. Yeah, that's far. And I glanced up. Are you and not supposed to do that when you scuba dive? No, no, you can, and it's fine. You, right. you, most scuba diving things, you just have to remain calm. Yeah, is the only thing. And I glanced up, and I had this moment in my head where I went, "There is ninety feet of water above me. That's a lot. That's really far." And then you just go, "Okay." Well, mentally you go, "Ah!" <laughs> yeah, like for a moment you just go, "Ah!" <laughs> and then you just go back to it. And um, that is a tough one to talk yourself down. Calming yourself down is a fucking tough one. Well, no. And and how I've always described it with scuba diving to people is, is like you once you're down there on the way down, you're a bit like, whoa, this is big and crazy and weird. Then you're down there and you're like, it's like standing in a field. You're just on the bottom. Yeah. And if there's like in Belize, there's canyons. So you're kind of at the bottom of a canyon and there's these like ridge walls that come up on the sides of you you feel like you're in a living room you feel like you're just like you're in a you're in a space that's about the size of like a very large apartment until you start to think about it and until you start to think about it and look at and you're like i'm under a lot of water ah but like most of the time you're just in a space the size of you know a living room or like you're in a field somewhere and it's not a big deal yeah and as long as you don't make it a big deal as long as you don't make it a big deal much like the Zodiac Killer. As long as you don't make it a big deal. He's kind of like that. He's very calm. I thought the first killing that they showed was so... I said to my brother, I was like, this would be this would freak me out so bad if you're in a car with a girl. Drives away, and then you hear that angry turn around and drive back. I don't understand how they played it cool and were like, get your IDs. I'm like, how do you think that's a cop? What are you doing? Yeah. It's the Zodiac, obviously. I... Dude... Makes that me wonder though too, like time period is so weird, so strange. The technology was there, but it wasn't there. You know what I mean? Some of them had fax machines, but it's like you could just get away with anything. And that's why. Do you think that, like are there operating serial killers today? Like are there? Oh God, yeah. There's still plenty of them, huh? It's still you can still get away with stuff. I I think I think that there are plenty of operating serial killers. I also think that there are not nearly as many as we think there are. What do you mean? The, the just oh, you think it's people it's who did so, it? Well, no, it's so... Um, our media at the present moment, our entertainment is so saturated with, with crazy murderers. It's so saturated with... Um, there's a serial killer on every other procedural show. Yeah. There's a serial killer in every... In everywhere. That's true. Um... There's not nearly as many. In, you know. I don't. I don't think that there's nearly as many active serial killers as 
um, as we think there are, I also do think that there's a bunch of active serial killers. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think, I think that there, there are probably ones that we've never, that nobody has ever caught, that are never going to be caught, that have never been caught, that are much more prolific than anybody, than anybody knows. There's people who I would assume, especially... There's got to be some people out there who are so good at it. From the 80s and the 90s, that it's like spread across many states, never been caught, killing people that nobody, that the society doesn't care about, that's just, it's a very regular, you know, they're not doing, it just looks like somebody got their head smashed in. It just looks like somebody got choked. It just looks like, and it's not, they don't do anything else weird. Right. They're not keeping body parts. They're not. They're, they're not know. even in it for necessarily. They say a lot of the times is the thing that'll bring down the serial killer is like they want the attention. They want the fame. Yeah. And even eventually, who was it? Where eventually, like they didn't catch him. He was like, "I'll just turn myself in. <laughs> like I need my moment in the yeah. spotlight." Uh, it was fucking. I forget his name. Whatever. BT- Ed Kemp, I think. BTK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. For the record, I am not a serial killer. I'm just saying. I imagine. It feels. I'm just gonna you say that's really what a serial killer would say. Oh man, you're right. This is the Zodiac speaking. Cool name, cool outfit. I don't know. I thought the outfit was interesting. I think he only really wore it the one time. Yeah. Um, but the dude survived that thing, and he described that outfit. I, that's a terrifying. I can't believe I don't see that as like a. You know why I don't see it on Halloween? Because it looks like a black KKK <laughs> outfit with a fucking snipe on it. I guess. Yeah. Because that might be a tough one to explain, but uh, cool aesthetic, Zodiac. I appreciate it, even though you stole it from that (laughs) wristwatch. Cool aesthetic. I like this movie, man. I'm surprised I didn't like it more as a kid. Yeah, I liked it it a lot more on this viewing. I don't know. It was much like... um, It it reminded me of a thing that that I had with The Conjuring. Which the best way that I can say it is is that the texture of this movie is really cool. I know what you mean. The Conjuring does have a cool texture. It's like what, like the tones, the colors, the fabrics, the it. It just had a really good texture to it, and I don't know why that was what drew me in so much, but it also was like the texture and the camera work were the two things that have just stayed in my brain. Ever since I saw this movie yeah. and rewatching it, I was like, "Yeah, I get why this stayed in my brain." And that top-down driving shot, like you said, or yeah, <clears throat> you know, certain ways he shot out of cars were like stationary from the window, the w- same way. Yeah, it feels like Fincher, which I think also was a really interesting commentary on like California car culture, right? Where it's like, it, it California was such a specific kind of car culture. I feel like lovers lane, go to the beach, scenic highways. Suburbs. Well, but it's also like it's it's a place where there's not much weather. Yeah. Like changes in weather, there's not, you know, y- there was just so much more like uh like that time period especially like like interesting like beach boysy like like car culture happening. Yeah. Um that was where, like, the West Coast was where they had a lot more, like, colorful paint jobs and stuff like that and custom cars. And It's also a time where everyone had a cool car. Everyone had a great car. The economy was booming. Cars yeah. were, you know, American-made and not as super expensive. Well, they also weren't more. nearly as just, like, everything looked exactly the same. Yeah. 
But there's also an amazing moment where Jake Gyllenhaal gets out of his shitty little orange. I love that car. Whatever. And I was like, I, can't I remember. was like, I oh like man, you are poor. Yeah. Um, he's not, well, he's a fucking cartoonist. There was definitely a moment in the movie where it was like, <laughs> I had a distinct thought because it kept jumping, you know, four or five years at a time. Yeah. And there was a moment when it jumped and he still worked at the paper. And uh, it was when Robert Downey Jr. had been replaced. Right. And he goes over to the new deputy editor or whatever and mm-hmm. like says hello. That guy's in it too. And uh, I I had a moment in my head right when that happened where I went, oh, I remember working at places for like 10 years. <laughs> 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 remember when you used to have a job and you would people would stay at that job for just like 40 years? Like, wow. <laughs> Upset That's you a that big back in the day thing. It upset you that people call you shorty, the guy who makes coffee for this one office and has no other job. Yeah. What do you do for a living? Well, I make the coffee for an office in San Francisco. Oh, is that like a side hustle? Like you do that? No. No. <laughs> to stay there all day. No, that's just what I do. That's just what I do. That's my whole thing. That guy was probably the Zodiac. <laughs> he had a lot of time. It's it's just amazing to me. You know, you could also live on a very cheap salary back then. You know what I mean? Zodiac yeah. killer could live in a fucking trailer. And still get away with all that stuff. I do think what's I do w- think one thing that's funny. L- looking back at this, it was a thought I had during the movie. It has nothing to do with the movie itself. Okay, but I'm going with it. Sure, it's a gripe that I have with with my own generation. Mm-hmm. Um, is that we consistently keep inventing things that is just what it used to be, <laughs> like. I noticed it initially, like my first thing that I noticed it with was uh, was in, in New York, there keep being these really like, and they were they were pumped up as being like exotic and cool for some reason, but they're food halls. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, oh, well, this one's, this is this really amazing restaurant that just does, you know, that just does poke bowls. And this is this really amazing restaurant that does ribs. And these people do brisket really well. And these people do, you know, whatever. But you can get anything that you want. There's Shanghai street food. And there's, you know, this other thing. There's, there's donuts that are this artisanal thing. And I remember being in a food hall one time, looking around and going, this food is the court. mall's food court. Yep. What yep. are you talking about? This isn't special. You just don't like McDonald's <laughs> and Chick-fil-A. Roy Rogers. And, and Taco Bell. Like, you just replaced yeah. them all with nicer food, and you called it a food hall instead of a food court. Wait a minute, hold on. What in the movie inspired you to think this, though? What thought made me think about that was just newspapers, uh-huh. where it was like, because I kept having this thought that I was like, oh, God, right, when newspapers were, like, the thing. Yeah. Y- you were the daily news. You had... You were the biggest thing in town. Everyone was reading your stories. Everyone was reading what was going on. The Zodiac read your paper. They did this thing. They did that. And it was like, and then now I have this moment in my head where I'm like, we just, it's like the New York Times digital, like they're working off of a subscription model. Yeah. And I remember when people were like, God, they're so smart to have a subscription going. And I'm like, that's just the newspaper. Yeah. You would have a subscription to the newspaper. (laughs) And you would get the newspaper every day. And now you have a subscription to the newspaper's online thing. Stop reinventing. It's the same thing that's happening with streaming, is that it's like, oh, my God, streaming. And now there's all these services. Oh, my God, it costs as much as my cable package used to. And it's like, it's cable. It's just cable, guys. Now you can just watch whatever you want whenever you want. All the streaming stuff where it's like, now we're dumping. We're going to give you every episode of the season at once. And now the Mandalorian is like the biggest show going, and they're like, "We're going to do this revolutionary thing." 
one episode a week. <laughs> one episode a week. They're actually they have a weird That's release schedule. <laughs> yeah, we used to do that all the time. Like, and it's the same thing. That's it's it's just like what we're doing right now is that it's like everybody's like, there's a podcast revolution. It's radio. It's radio. It's recorded radio. Yeah. It's just. It's funny radio. how hard it is to explain. To boomers, I said it. No, okay, boomer. Any older people like trying to explain a podcast where you're like, no, no, it's just pre-recorded radio and it's at your availability. Like whenever you want to listen yeah. to it, you cue it up and you listen. And they're like, so it's it's old. And it's like, well, no, because they put one out every blah blah blah. And it's like, I don't know, is it live? It's like, no. <laughs> they're like, so do I get it on my radio? It's like, well, yeah, I don't, but you gotta I get don't it on your phone. I don't understand. I don't understand what is so difficult about people. Like, like, what is so difficult for people to understand about a podcast? Even when podcasts, like, originally came out or, like, when it finally started becoming, like, you really started hearing about them 10 years ago. Excuse me. I remember going, that's not even a new thing. Like, I didn't, I was like, that's just recorded content. There's no need for a new name for that. You could just call it a show in a way. But then it became its, you know. It, it I mean, it made thing. sense Podcast to me that it was it was its own thing. But like we, I, I'm just looking around, being like, what's the next thing that we're gonna quote unquote reinvent? Yeah, is that it's like you you remade cable, you remade Instagram's like, gonna be like for a thousand dollars, we will print out your Instagram. I, that's like, that's uh, a photo. That's book. a photo. Book. <laughs> <laughs> and. Watch, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. <laughs> that's that's happen. already happening. There's plenty Probably. of places that you can just take your Instagram feed and just say, I want this, 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 and this printed. Oh, my God. And people are going to be like, oh, my God, I have this great service that prints out my photos. And it's like, that's called Kodak. That's like, <laughs> they have hour wait at CBS. You go print it, you put it in your own book at home. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's the same kind of thing that's like, um, like there's, it's going to swing back around. That's like, you know, cause things go on and off of streaming services all the mm-hmm. time. There's going to come a moment in the entire thing where people are going to be like, no, I'm doing this amazing thing where I, I buy whatever it is. I get it on a disc and I keep it. And it's going to be like, are it's you it's called a hard copy? It's called a hard copy. <laughs> like someone actually made fun of me the other day. My buddy was moving out of his apartment. And I had left some stuff there, so I like got the last of my stuff. And the last of my stuff was, of course, the pile of DVDs that you drag from place to place that you never watch, and you've just had it for like eight years, you know? Yeah. And somebody, le- somebody left and was like, "You buy DVDs?" And I was like, "I've had, I don't so what? Even like I hadn't bought a DVD in years, but you know, what if I did? Who fucking cares? Someday the internet's gonna be down, and I'll be able to watch. Yeah. Cool Runnings. All right. Yeah. Jaw. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. Zodiac. Uh, Lee did it. However, due process is a real thing, and you can't put someone in jail or give them capital punishment, even if there's a shred that they could be innocent, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, David Fincher's the man. I wonder what he's making next. That's I don't it. know what he's making next. I'm going to dive into his old stuff. I wonder what is Because I think like the farthest back, I think, is panic room and i'm sure he did stuff before that so yeah i haven't done a deep dive on him to see like first movies and stuff like that yeah watch something totally unsuspected like cool runnings jaw man peace be the journey is that a thing i never heard that rasta man peace be the journey that's what cool runnings means oh i never saw the movie you've never seen cool runnings i mean i don't think i have you've seen cool runnings i don't know i hope you've seen cool Runnings. it's about a amish basketball team right yeah, Jamaican bobsled team. No, that's that's above the rim <laughs> with Kevin Bacon. 
Is it a real movie? Yeah. Amish basketball team? No, it's a. It's you could have easily fooled me. You could have easily been like, basketball team, but he goes to recruit a very tall African guy who uh, who plays basketball in Africa, mm-hmm. and then he has to like become part of their tribe to like become a part of the end. Hey, like, to play in a basketball game to beat like the bad guys that are there. It's a whole thing. Is it good? No. I could do it. It's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts on Zodiac? Uh, I really like it. It's uh, it's a little bit long, but it's also like it's it doesn't it doesn't really drag. No, it doesn't. The only thing that the only thing that gets incredibly confusing is how long the Zodiac, like like murder mystery went on for yeah that well, it's just they keep jumping the two weeks three weeks four I, I never knew what year i was in but at the same time yeah. i didn't care um i mean i'm glad they did that i think that's something that the fincher specifically wanted to do because yeah he wants to confuse the audience a little bit too not just confuse the audience but also just like like show how long it actually was you can't yeah. just pretend that all this took place in two months right um it happened over decades and so that's what they did, um, but yeah, I don't know. I like I. It's a it's a good movie. It's a very well made movie. It's a very well made movie. It's a very well crafted movie. Like yeah. it is physically well crafted. Yes, worth a hard copy. I don't know about that, but I don't really buy DVDs. I'm putting my stamp on it. I love DVDs. I buy them all the time. I have twelve copies of the Zodiac. That's a that's too many. Everybody say goodbye. That's eleven too many. Everybody say goodbye. 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 Dennis is the Zodiac. I am the Zodiac.